notes on a new kind of cocaine called crack. It's going nationwide, especially among the young, a drug so pure and so strong, it might just as well be called crack of doom. Crack, the most addictive form of cocaine, is now sweeping New York. They may hawk it by using the word crack. They may hawk it by giving signals of some kind, the snapping of the fingers like this, indicating that I got it, or the snapping of an imaginary whip. Compared with powdered cocaine used for sniffing, crack is four times as strong, purified by a process called freebasing. It's sold in solid chunks, two or three rocks in a vial for as little as $20 ready to smoke. You end up staying up three, four days just chasing cracks. Because it's like, bam, you get hit. You know, within five seconds, I would say, after you take it in your lungs, not even, you got that high. A survey released today of 200 callers to the National Cocaine Hotline shows the use of crack increasing quickly. We found that over 28% of them say that they've already been using crack. Most had gotten rapidly addicted, they said, within two to three months after starting to use crack. Half of them were under 25, and not just from the nation's biggest cities, New York, Los Angeles, Miami, Chicago. Callers from smaller places, Iowa City, Mobile, also reported using crack. Free-based cocaine can be made by the user with ether, but as comedian Richard Pryor learned when he was injured, that is dangerous. Now it's available ready-made. I'm sure that there are people who would not otherwise freebase, who somehow learned about this intense high, who are experiment experimenting with it, and that's what makes it really dangerous. Welcome to the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast with Brian, Larry, Joshua, and the Illumamami herself. This is April. And on today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get a big old jump start on the crack epidemic of the 80s. Slanging cane. Go around his neck in 14k heaven. Bitches clocking on the dick 24 7. Plus he's making money, keep the base heads waiting. Rolling six fold with the pool as babies. This shit kicks like a mule, ladies and gentlemen. How we feeling? Huh? How we feeling? We'll turn that frown upside down. <laughs> Pod family, I'm circle up. A kite and I just might <laughs> stop to take you out. True story. Josh has been working way too many male prostitute hours and Larry's sleepy. Right? You sleeping, Larry? I can't tell over this flask. Oh, yeah. Sleepy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. All, all this new gear has got to... We can't see... Each, oh. It was all yep, just... Yep, that'll a, do it. It was all just a dream. Um. Yeah, so we're talking like something I didn't even know had a conspiracy tied to it. I, I just knew. Clearly didn't listen to hip hop in the 90s. I did not. 
as you can tell from the because they were screaming from the top of their lungs hey the government's killing us yo and i was like man these lyrics are wiggity wiggity whack i'll stick to my informer please and pass me a bowl of cocoa pebbles (laughs) i like fruity pebbles more personally yeah, well, this isn't the this isn't cereal. The jo- yeah, this the isn't Josh the cereal, cereal podcast. The cereal therapy podcast. Okay, I wish it was. I do too. It could be nice. fun. Just an offshoot. We like call a Mad this Mag- the, We could call this the honeycomb hideout. <laughs> oh, the honeycomb hideout. Every 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 episode would come with a free prize inside. You guys would all get like weird mo- monikers to your names of like mm-hmm. cereal mascots. Captain Crunch, Josh. And the Trix Rabbit herself this April. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We are off topic always. Anyway, so let's pull the Thunderbird to the side of the road for a minute. So someone can jack it. That's right. What? On a scale, one to ten, how scary is the CIA funding (laughs) a war through drugs? Okay, ten. 10, 10. I always yeah. have to ask a question. I can't just like not ask a question. How yeah, about okay. have you ever done cocaine or crack? Well, cocaine? I guess cocaine or crack either or. Um, no. no, no. Ryan says a no. Larry says no. No. No to crack. April says no. Joshua. It's like, he's, he's part of the family, so I had to shriek a little bit. I've snorted Coke. Like Coca-Cola? Did yes, you think we yes. were talking about yes. the, the, the carbonated I, I, beverage? I've never done drugs. Did you do it with a rolled up $100 bill? Are you kidding? Oh. <laughs> oh. I can't tell if that was a reverse fart or like somebody... Was that ripped. from Bud Miles? That mm, sounded- no, that was from last week. <laughs> That was in the lovely. Oh, oh that's that was uncomfortable. In, yeah, that was in the eye of the storm of your cold. <laughs> yeah, right that's there. right. Yep. That was oh. me b- t- sucking brains right back into my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the idea of the uh, '80s crack epidemic um, is that basically the CIA funded uh, secret drug wars through inner city drugs. And basically, it, it, all the money came around, came back to them somehow. And that's where the conspiracy is. And then it, it kind of ties into the Reagan administration, the Iran-Contra, all of this stuff. And then you also have the government denying or not talking about it, which is where we come in. Because we take the facts, motherfucker. Straight, right. out the, straight off the internet, right onto my iPad, and I read them to you. But real quick... um, have any of you guys heard now, Josh, for real though, you said you did try something at one point. <laughs> I was, I've snorted Coke. Okay. What did it feel like? Horrible. I, <laughs> other, I, other than the sound, what I, did it, did you get a, like a rock hard erection? I mean, did you run in circles? Were you like a hard wiener? Okay. I mean, I don't, I guess I don't really remember. I was also, I mean, I'd smoked a bowl beforehand. And this was, it was, I only did it once. I didn't like it because I hate things going in my nose, but I was already high. So it was like, I didn't give, I didn't care. Did you get sick afterwards? <sighs> Not that I recall. So it didn't really do anything and you didn't like it and you eh, didn't have any feelings. Well, it's just the whole, the whole, like I said, the whole snorting thing. Are you sure it wasn't just like a, 
block Ajax. Ajax with sugar on top. <laughs> Someone laid a pixie well, I mean, stick did, on the it, table. It did something. I just it, for one, it was it was a very long time ago. Your nipples so, grew three mm, inches that day. And that, that was you, Ryan. Oh yeah. shit, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, obviously, people love it for a reason. I mean, I, I was already high, so it was just one of those things. I guess I just don't really remember. I'm sure at the time I loved it. Hmm. Interessant. Well, bef- it's time for me to get boring, so we're gonna start talking about this shit. Anyway, so since its creation, now according to um, Frontline PBS.org, there's a really good breakdown by Craig Delaval where he talks about how this the CIA and Central America and cocaine and conspiracy theorists made this into kind of the big deal that it is. And there is an offshoot. I mean, basically not even, not an offshoot, but like a base level with, with your hip hop, like what Larry played in the clip where it was everywhere. And it was, that's all they talked about. And um, I'll bring up, there's a guy I'll bring up in the second half named freeway Rick. Mm. And he's the, the inspiration he is, for yeah. Rick Ross. Yeah. Um, the inspiration it's a ripoff it is a ripoff <laughs> but i mean they the the guy that's ripping him off i guess technically he would have been inspired by him or or he's taking he's, freeway rick doesn't feel the same no, let's no, put it doesn't. that way he also did he also freeway rick started his own myspace and called freeway but it's for all uh myspace well it's not a myspace but it's like a social media hub anyway i'm getting off track so According to this Frontline article on PBS.org, um, since its creation in 1947 under President Harry Truman, the CIA has been credited with a number of far-fetched operations. While some were proven, the infi- infamous MKUltra, mm-hmm. LSD mind experiments of the 50s, others like the assassination of John F. Kennedy and the crash of the savings and loan industry have little or no merit. Hmm. Now, in a series of expose articles, and this is a key f- key member of this whole conspiracy article, uh, expose articles in the San Jose Mercury News by reporter Gary Webb, um, there were tales of a drug triangle during the 80s that linked CIA officials in Central America, a San Francisco drug ring, and a Los Angeles drug dealer, who, the drug dealer in Los Angeles, that's Freeway Rick. According to the stories, the CIA and its operatives used crack cocaine sold via the Los Angeles African-American community to raise millions to support the agency's clandestine operations in Central America, which would have been part of that whole... Basically, the idea was they thought the Russians were going to try to set up base in Central America. And so in order for them to stop that, they tried to fund a a war between the natives and the... um, and the what fuck the, the rebels the, the contras which is part of what the um the contra soldiers those 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 are the ones that were down in that area up up down down up up down down yes <laughs> select a b left right we had a video right. game reference and you were still tuned out huh? no <laughs> that was a wrestling i mean reference. i just made it into a wrestling reference oh shit okay well then you went up that i guess anyway okay <laughs> Um, Went above my head. Yeah. A series of expose articles written by Gary Webb told about this this whole operation, and the CIA suspect past made the sensational articles an easy sell. So this generated a lot of conspiracy theorists pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Talk radio switchboards lit up, as did African-American leaders like U.S. Representative 
Maxine Waters, a Democrat from L.A., who pointed to Webb's articles as proof of a mastermind plot to destroy inner-city black America. And, you know, to be honest with you, it really did. There's a clip that I'm going to have Josh play in the middle that is one of these... um, one of these black gentlemen from that era who was an honor student and you'll, you'll hear, I don't want to spoil it, but it's like, it's heartbreaking. Um, one of the people who was accused in the San Jose Mercury news of being in the midst of the CIA cocaine conspiracy is one of the most respected now retired veteran DEA agents, Robert Neves. Um, quote, you have to understand central America at the time was a haven for the conspiracy theorists. Christic Institute people like Gary Webb, others down there looking to dig up some story for political advantage, quote Neve said. No sexier story than to create the notion in people's minds that these people are drug traffickers. So in his mind, um, even though he was fingered as like a main Ooh. conspirator, main <laughs> conspirator in this trafficking, um He's, you know, he's not confessing to being a part of that or anything like that. In the weeks following the publication, though, Webb's peers doubted the merit of the articles, and Webb's own editor accused him of blowing a few truths up into a massive conspiracy and trying to garner up some attention for no reason. So, not only did um, somebody try to blow the whistle on it, like most things, unless you have lots of money and lots of power, it gets shuffled into the laundry bin basically gets flushed away or whatever man i love a good slide whistle it's the only whistle i've got (laughs) so amongst webb's fundamental problems was his implication that the cia lit the crack cocaine fuse it was a conspiracy theory a neat presentation of reality that simply didn't jive with real life webb later agreed in an interview that there's no hard evidence that the cia as an institution or any of its agent employees carried out or profited from drug trafficking. Still, the fantastic story of the CIA injecting crack into ghettos had taken hold. In response to the public's outcry following Webb's allegations, which were ultimately published in book form under the title Dark Alliance. Now, I want to get into this Dark Alliance real quick. Dark Alliance series was... um, It was his series that sparked this controversy, which alleged that the influx of Nicaraguan cocaine started and significantly fueled the 1980s crack epidemic. Investigating the lives and connections of Los Angeles crack dealers Rick Ross and Oscar Danilo Blindon, Otto Eisenchimimimi, and Norwin Manessis. Webb alleged that that profits from these crack sales were funneled to the CIA-supported Contras. Although Webb never claimed that the CIA directly aided drug dealers, it echoed the Kerry Committee conclusion that the CIA was aware of large shipments of cocaine into the U.S. by Contra personnel. The United States Department of Justice Office of the Inspector General rejected that there was a systematic effort by the CIA to protect the drug trafficking activities of the Contras. So the Department of Justice and the um, OIG reported, we found that Blandin and Manessis were plainly major drug traffickers who enriched themselves at the expense of countless drug users in their communities. And every for everything that I saw online, this is probably the last... I mean, yes, heroin and painkillers is our thing now, mm-hmm. but the the face of this is still ongoing. Like, there's still people... Cracked families it, apart. It destroyed. I watched a... 
as soon as I started Googling things on the internet, I watched one of those, uh, what are they like drug intervention shows? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That like this girl, the girl that was in it was like, a like she still looked pretty, but she mm-hmm. was ravaged by it. I mean, mm-hmm. she was like 24 and her, and her drug dealer boyfriend's just sitting there in his junko jeans, like looking at the floor <laughs> while his whole, while her whole family is like around. And then her brother who's like 17 is like, I think I saw that. <laughs> it's, yep. It is gut wrenching. Like I was going to send it for the middle clip, but I'm Ugh. like, I can't handle those things. Cause there's, those things are too. It's emotional. not only that. It's that the punishment for having crack was different than that of cocaine which so you got stiffer penalties for doing the same exact drug but because probably because you were black right right mm-hmm. and that's that's and so part you're of throwing the- families in jail for like in the, while the white p- people are getting the rehab right exactly and that's part of the conspiracy not necessarily i don't i call it conspiracy because people argue against me saying that it's a conspiracy or that it's the truth that and but it is the truth that more black males were incarcerated for drug possession during this time than hand over fist than any yeah. white guys were. Well, and that's really and no that's, different than now. I would say the reality too is yeah. that it is the inner city, and it was more populated with black people, but they were targeted. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were plenty of rich pieces mm-hmm. of shit in their Jeep Cherokees. Rich rich people do drugs. Let's yeah. face well, it. Yeah, well, yeah. And even if you go back and look at like movies from the 80s and early 90s, the way that it's portrayed that like rich yuppie kids go into the bathrooms at parties and snort lines of coke. Or American Psycho. Or American yeah. Psycho, that too. Brad Easton Ellis. Right. But then it's always the, the African Americans that are like in the slums, smoking mm-hmm. crack and right. losing their minds. And they're doing the same thing that those, you know, just taking it a different form. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this 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 will go into the region that was impacted by it. So using an index that combined indicators, and this is according to Wikipedia, um, indicators like crack cocaine-related deaths and medical emergencies, arrests and seizures, and media coverage, researchers Stephen Levitt and Kevin M. Murphy found that the drug's worst impact was on the northeastern and south Atlantic states, headed by New York and Maryland. 70% of the impact of crack was felt in large cities. And rates per capita were 10 times higher in larger cities than in the rest of the nation. But one of the first videos that I saw of a major crack uh, drug bust was actually in Oklahoma City, which I really? thought was interesting. But yeah, that's hmm. that was like a, um, I want to say like a through line for like where they were trying to move the drugs through mm. different channels. Um, but some of the big cities that had the worst crack problems were Newark, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, New York, Oakland, Boston, Baltimore. San Francisco, Seattle, New Orleans, Baltimore, DC, and LA. So let's look. And, and the crime rate, this is insane. Between 84 and 89, the homicide rate for black males aged 14 to 17 more than doubled, and the homicide rate for black males aged 18 to 24 increased nearly as much. During this period, the black community also experienced a 20 to 100% increase in fetal death rates, low birth weight babies, weapons arrests, and the number of children in foster care. In 1996, approximately 60% of inmates incarcerated in the U.S. were sentenced on drug charges. Just let that sink in. Over half of people sentenced were for drugs. Hey, who's the war on drugs for? I don't think it's for the... It's not for the well-being of the population. It doesn't sound like. It's not. 
And that's so another it conspiracy. Sounds like it's making a little itself. money for some people. It's yeah, it's called private prisons. Mm. Go fuck themselves. Yep. Uh, another possible episode on itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, crack cocaine use and distribution became popular in cities that were in a state of social and economic chaos, such as L.A. and Atlanta. As a result of the low skill levels and minimal initial resource outlay required to sell crack, systematic violence flourished as a growing army of young, enthusiastic inner-city crack sellers attempted to defend their economic investment. Now, one of the interesting things that I heard in a documentary uh, uh, on YouTube, I think it was called Crackheads, but I could be wrong, Um, they basically said that the way that they made like huge profits was from when they would go into smaller regions, they would up the price. So if you were to buy, say, crack in like Kalamazoo as a mm-hmm. local reference, it would be twenty five. Whereas in Detroit, it would be ten or five. S- supply and demand. Supply and demand. Yes, which is you know supply and of, command. Yeah. So there was a disparity in sentencing too. In eighty six, the U.S. Congress passed laws that created a one hundred to one sentencing disparity for the possession or trafficking of crack, which compared to pen- penalties for trafficking of powder cocaine, which had been widely criticized as discriminatory against minorities, mostly blacks, who were more likely to use crack than powder cocaine. This one hundred to one ratio had been required under federal law since eighty six. Persons convicted in federal court of possession of five grams of crack cocaine received a minimum mandatory sentence of five years in federal prison. Wow. On the other hand, possession of 500 grams of powder cocaine carries the same sentence. Wait, wait, wait. Think about that. How much for the... the, How many grams? So 100 times that in powdered cocaine would be five years in federal prison, and whereas just the minimum of five grams of crack would put you in jail for five years. Mm -hmm. Minimum. Wow. Five fucking years. I spent five years in the Navy. Now, I don't think of that as a prison sentence, but that was a long-ass time when I was in. Mm -hmm. Jeez. So, anyway, um, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of a thing. Let me me get into a little bit more on um, what was going on in Central America and 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 the drugs at the time. Now, when the Marxist Sandistas overthrew the government of longtime dictator Anastasio Somoza in 1979, U.S. approval soured when it became clear that the new regime saw itself as a satellite of Cuba. Now, in the past, we haven't been super friendly with Cuba, which doesn't make sense because they have good fucking food. And great cigars. And their Air Force is phenomenal. See a past episode. Jim, he's great. (laughs) Right. I don't know why I gave him the whitest name possible. (laughs) I would think maybe more like a Jose. Yeah, I could have gone Todd. Yeah. That would have been a little whiter, but. A little bit. Yeah. Mike. Chad. Ooh. That's a good one. Spencer. Spencer. Spencer wears suspenders. Yes, he does. I like Claudio. Spencer likes musicals. Spencer wears bow ties. <laughs> yep. Yep. He's, yep. A, he's a charming Cuban. Uh, when Ronald Reagan See. became president soon after, he quietly began sending aid to those fighting the Marxist government. They were known as the Nicaraguan See. resistance, or more simply, the Contras. Don't you mean El Contras? Or yes, maybe if I'm being more, more uh, authentic, authentic as with Burma, Laos and Afghanistan before it, where the U S had helped fight wars, Nicaragua had a narcotics trade and a fact, which was brought to the CIA's attention while the Contra effort was barely off the ground. 
1981, members of the Nicaraguan Revolutionary Democratic Alliance were working alongside CAA officers to overthrow the new Sandista government. As noted in the HITS report, which was a report sent to um, CIA headquarters, stated that ADRIN, or the um, Nicaraguan Revolutionary Democratic Alliance, leadership had decided to, quote, engage in drug smuggling to the United States in order to finance its anti-Sandinista operations. Now, again, this is, let me just reiterate this. Their problem in the U.S. with this was that we thought the Soviets were going to come into that area of Central America. And the idea of them doing that is what pushed for them to fund these CIA operations. But it was at the behest of a bunch of bunch of casualties and longtime families being broken mm-hmm. to shit. Just like any other war, it had its ramifications. Now, and what would prove common during the Contra War, the CIA never followed up on the allegations. So, again, we have no answers. They never bothered to verify whether the initial run had taken place. According to the HITS report, Adrian disbanded, which is that um, uh, Nicaraguan Revolutionary Democratic Alliance that worked with the CIA. They disbanded. Um, But some members joined the Nicaraguan Democratic Force, which is new, and which worked with the CIA. In another instance, the CIA received allegations that five members of the Democratic Revolutionary Alliance, those fighting along the border of Nicaragua and Costa Rica, were involved in drug trafficking. The five were allegedly working with known drug trafficker Jorge Morales. Although the CIA broke off the contact with the R-Day in 84, <laughs> on that one, it you? continued to have contact with four See? of the five members who associated with Senior Morales until 1987. Quote, in the context of this struggle between the Contras and the Sandinistas, there are accusations flying left and right, some of which were probably meritorious, and a good many of which were part of the battle they were involved in, Hit said. The question for the CIA officer in the field was, how do you deal with these accusations? And what they did was, for the most part, attempt to track them down. But on several cases, no action appears to have been taken, and that's the part that we find in the report. So, around the same time in the early 80s, a letter between Attorney General Smith and CIA Director Casey was made official, creating what some considered a convenient loophole for the CIA. (laughs) So, using the media, using um, probably a bunch of bullshit federal documents, they made it look like it was just a routine thing, but an effort to cover up what was definitely some sort of drug trafficking operation. And a lot of these times, they have a fall guy somebody if if there's gonna be anything like that and i think that's where we lead into freeway rick which we'll get into more in the second segment but first what i think would be interesting right now is to hear somebody who was impacted by this crack epidemic as we sit here now they're at the table putting together a plan that's going to destroy our families our community as a whole I was introduced as part of the plan. I was introduced to the plan. Cocaine broke down to some of the simplest form crack. Baseball player, basketball player, honor roll. Yeah, that was me. Pretty boy. Yeah, I had all the women and everything. Oh, the most popular. My senior in high school. Now, not controlled by money, not controlled by man, not controlled by. Nothing. 
But this is my life. Something as small as this. This is the most important thing in my life right now. One without the other, no good. These are the most three important things in my life. Kids, uh-uh. Girlfriend, uh-uh. Mother, uh-uh. Sister, uh-uh. Kiss my ass, uh-uh. Choose between you and the blow, get you. Only thing I haven't done, and I thank the Lord, I ain't sucked another man's dick. How little you matter until you're all alone In the middle of Arkansas With a little rock left in that glass dick You used to date a blonde You used to hit it raw Cause she was and you are madly involved Madly involved It's in stones In glass homes You're smoking stones and be grateful, all of you out there listening, that you haven't sucked dick for crack. And if you have, I guess you're all right, too. For a cheeseburger, sure, but... But not for another hit. <laughs> you need protein before you get another hit. Two doses of it. All right, let's talk about a little man named... Or not a little man. We'll talk about a man named Freeway Rick. Uh, who was born January 26, 1960. He was, uh, well, he is currently still alive, is an American author and convicted drug trafficker best known for the drug empire he established in L.A., California in the early to mid-80s. He was sentenced to life in prison, though the sentence was shortened on appeal and Ross was released in 2009. Now, this is all according to Wikipedia, which has him... Um, age 58 currently. Now, I mentioned before he started his own social media kind of thing with trying to find artists, but he actually has a platform now. And the rapper Rick Ross um, has been trying to play it off like he's this guy, but he's not. No. Obviously. I know that I'm pretty sure this guy has an episode of the Joe Rogan experience, which I... Feel like I listen. He's been to- on there. I think he's been on the Adam Carolla show as well. Yeah, he's a really intellectually sound gentleman. Like when he talks about this stuff, like it really opens your mind. The to- reason he was successful at it. Yes, he's very well spoken. Ross attended Ross attended school at Susan Miller Dorsey High School in L.A. He played for the tennis team, but was unable to get a college scholarship because he was illiterate. Ross had said that. When he first saw crack cocaine as a teenager in 1979, he did not immediately believe it was a drug because it looked different from other drugs he had seen. Mm. The nickname Freeway came from Ross owning properties along the L.A. Harbor Freeway and living next to the Interstate 110. According to an October 2013 Esquire magazine article, between 1982 and 1989, federal prosecutors estimated Ross bought and resold several metric tons of cocaine. What? Whoa, With geez. Ross gross revenue claimed to be more than $900 million. Wow. In 80, 80s money. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is the equivalent to $2.7 billion in 2017 and profits of almost $300 million, which is $900 million in 2017. Mm-hmm. During the height of his drug dealing, Ross was said to have sold $3 million in one day. According to the Oakland Tribune, in the course of his rise, prosecutors estimate that Ross exported several tons of cocaine to New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and elsewhere, 
and made more than $600 million between 83 and 84. In 1996, Ross was sentenced to life imprisonment under the Three Strikes Law after being convicted for purchasing more than 100 kilograms of cocaine from a federal agent in a sting operation. Later that year, a series of articles by journalist Gary Webb, which we brought up earlier in the San Jose Mercury News, revealed a connection between one of Ross's cocaine sources, Danilo Blandin, Blandall, probably something like that, and the CIA as part of the Iran-Contra scandal, which we talked about in the first segment. Having learned to read at the age of 28 during his first stint in prison, Ross spent much of his time behind bars studying the law. He eventually discovered a legal loophole that would lead to his release. Ross's case was brought to a federal court of appeals, which found that the three strikes law had been erroneously applied and reduced his sentence to 20 years. Wow. He was released from federal corrections institution Texarkana on September 29th, 2009, which would end up making his sentence only be 13 years. Ross was arrested in October 2015 on suspicion of possessing cash related to the sales of illegal drugs when police discovered $100,000 in Ross's possession during a traffic stop. Ross later alleged that he'd been racially profiled and stated that he was carrying a large amount of cash for the purchase of a home. So, cops are shitheads. Um, <clears throat> now, during his drug empire days, with thousands of employees, Ross had said his operated drug sales not only in Los Angeles, but in places across the country, including St. Louis, New Orleans, Tex- Texas, Kansas City, Oklahoma, Indiana, Cincinnati, North Carolina, South Carolina, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Seattle Jeez. were all included. He has said that his most lucrative sales came from the Ohio area, which doesn't surprise me because nope. there's a lot of there's bored as nothing fucks. else to do in Ohio. <laughs> Bunch of bored ass soccer moms in the eighties. Fucking make my titties jump. <laughs> Send me some of that sweet, sweet crack. Penis, penis, penis. Hey, I can say titties too. He made similar claims in a 1996 PBS interview, according to the Oakland Tribune. "Quote: In the course of his rise, prosecutors estimate that Ross." Exported several tons of cocaine to New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, elsewhere, and made more than $600 million in the process, adjusting for inflation. Again, this becomes more than a billion dollars. Guy was fucking rich. Yeah. And now he's doing really good, too, because he learned how to read in prison. I like this guy's story way more than the guy that's pretending to be Rick Ross. <laughs> the, the who was former, a, who, um, he was a former poli- uh, prison guard. Yeah, former prison guard. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Um, by the way, Ross did sue Rick Ross. Good. For using his name, filing a copyright infringement lawsuit against Ross in the California federal court. Jay-Z had been called to testify in the lawsuit as he was CEO of Def Jam when Ross was signed to the label. Ross sought $10 million in compensation in the lawsuit. After the lawsuit was dismissed, oh. on July 3rd, 2010, the album Te- Teflon Don was released as scheduled. A federal judge ruled that the case should be refiled in California state court because it fell under California state law. Ross refiled the case with the state of California and the federal cases on appeal. The United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. The, the state case was filed in 2011 in California. Jesus. Uh, Ross refiled in L.A. Superior Court with publicity rights claims. Trial was set for early May 20. 20- 12, the case was dismissed by a judge in the hmm. L.A. Superior Court. The California State case was updated with a motion in Freeway Rick Ross's favor as to Warner Brothers Records and their use of the name and image Rick Ross in July 2012. The New York Post reported that there was a trial was set for August 27, 2013 in Freeway Rick Ross versus Rick Ross and Warner Music <laughs> Group. And on December 30th, finally, 2013, the court ruled in favor of the rapper. 
allowing them to keep the name based on a First Amendment ruling. Oh, good. That sucks. Yeah. Well, we know who the real Rick Ross is, Freeway. We do. Well, if that's the case, I'm Jimmy Page. Oh, you are? Yeah. You know, I don't think a lot of people think very highly of Rick Ross having known all this. No. And the fact that I know about it means that every fucking that means probably every white person knows about it. <laughs> <now>. Yep. <laughs> well, anyway, that's a little bit about this whole thing. Um, a little bit about Freeway, one of the main dealers at the time. And, and um, I guess it's really, you know. It's one of these weird conspiracies, and we'll get to our verdict later, but it's one of these weird conspiracies where it's pretty cut and dry. Like the, When we talked about Franklin cover-up or when we talked about the Philadelphia experiment, we know an experiment happened. You know where it was. You just don't know what it is because no one will say anything. Mm-hmm. All, the place, all the pieces are there. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of you know making up your, your mind on your own and just kind of taking a few steps in your mental image of what actually really happened. But regardless of that, I think it's time for us to get into a little bit of pop culture. It's time for the pop culture minute, minute Josh. Sonic, Sonic boom. boom. Well, I'm not going to try to butcher, uh, the segment with trying to come up with some of the popular hip hop songs, right? About because I know Larry probably knows them all, anyways. So uh, I have a few things here. I want to mention uh, popular people that have or different roles, and then uh, popular or famous people that were crackheads that have been successful in their okay. endeavors. <laughs> but first and foremost, I'm going to point out Christian Bale in The Fighter. That's good right. Movie. Good movie. Yeah, it was a great movie. That's Very the one good. with Mark Wahlberg, yep. his brother, yeah. Boston. Yeah, that is Boston. I love that movie. It was a great movie. Chris Rock was also a crackhead. I did not know that. In New Jack City. Oh, in the movie. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> by the way, it's a great movie. I was hoping you'd bring that one up. New Jack City. I don't know anything else. Samuel L. Jackson was a crackhead in Jungle Fever. Uh, also, I think technically he's the highest grossing movie star of all time now. Samuel Jackson. Well, yeah, if you do every movie that's made. Every, yeah, no, that's but true. I mean, every movie he's, if you count the amount of money that every movie he's ever been in, he's mm-hmm. technically the highest earning. Go ahead. Mm. Uh, I was looked at it, snakes on a plane went, I can make that a hit. <laughs> Just have him say motherfucker a whole yeah. lot. That's fine. How about Weezer's hash pipe? I thought that was, was about hash. Yeah. Hash is a form of marijuana. Unless you, I mean. They say that he, it's about smoking crack out of a hash pipe. Though. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> Weezer's still not cool. I'm just kidding. Amy Winehouse is back in black. Yep. Uh, Great album. Life is like a pipe. And this is you never know what you're gonna smoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kanye West featuring the game Crack, Crack Music. Music, yep. And this one shocked me. Oh, sorry. This one it was kind of surprising to me. 
especially because I know it's going to pique April's interest and she probably knows the song. Ed Sheeran has a song called A-Team. It's about a prostitute smoking crack. Smoking the crack. So, and Ed Sheeran is only 16, so that song had to have come out yesterday, Mm -hmm. right? Something like that. Sure. (laughs) He's got the body of a 16-year-old and the head of a (laughs) 39-year-old. He does. Massive dome he's got. Oh my god, I can never unsee that. I know, it's totally true, too. (laughs) Uh, Larry's Observations, a new podcast coming to the Beer City Media Network. Fair enough. Uh, And then I just, like I said, I have a couple people, because if there's anybody out there who is a crackhead who listens to this... I hope I just want you to have some people that you can look up to. So you know you could make it. <laughs> Keep doing that crack, you'll make it one day. Someday <laughs> you will become Flavor Flav. Mm-hmm. Ooh, mm, I, I don't love, know if I'd aspire to be Flavor Flav. My favorite thing Flavor Flav ever did was. Um, it's gonna hurt when he says it too. No, it's not I have anything with public enemy. No, is it is it a flavor be, of love? Should, it is, isn't it? It's when he hooked up with Brigitte, Brigitte Nielsen. Nielsen. Is that is that what it is? No, the he's seven a, foot blonde he's an woman. incredible hype man. He is. Uh, somebody, but we all watched that. Uh, I did. I did. I watched it too. Yep. Don't worry. <laughs> he was so funny on that show. It's probably because he was on crack. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, apparently, Richard Pryor was a very big crack. Oh, well, yeah, he talked about it in his stand-up. Yep. I never saw any of his stand-up. Stand-up like. is some of the most brilliant stuff you'll ever see. Period. Really, I knew he was funny. I've seen yeah. some of his films, but because it's all true stories. Like, and you, you like you're laughing, and then you realize you're like, this guy's telling me things that no one should tell anybody. Yep. Yep. Right. Or how about the number one most paid actor in the entire Disney franchise, Robert Downey Jr.? Oh yeah. Well, he oh, had a, mm-hmm. he had to come to Jesus right before Iron Man yep. came out. He did. I, lo- I love it too. He's like, I was eating Burger King and I realized I've got to kick my drug habit. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was eating Burger King. I love that guy. He's probably one of my favorite actors of all time. Very you wanna, charismatic. You want to talk about a turnaround though? Like, oh yeah, no hell. He's he's the biggest he's their biggest star. They know yeah. it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he that could have been uh what's his face from Two and a Half Men. Why am I Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiger Blood. Or, and I think the the number one name Winning. that I came across that was shocking to me as far as being a crackhead, mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey. Say it ain't so really. Must obviously it was before the uh it was before I joined the uh, book club. She apparently had a pretty bad drug habit. Really? Yeah, I was pretty surprised by that. Hmm. She so. had a horrible childhood, so it yeah. wouldn't surprise me. No. That's where she channeled all that um, drive to become such a mm-hmm. huge uh, star. All that drive to give away free cars. But um, Boy, She's not Ellen, is she? <laughs> Just talk about, like... Funneling someone's career to the least common denominator as you possibly can. No, Oprah's awesome. Oprah is awesome. She's. I don't want her to be president, but I think she's a great figure as far as like inspiring 21st century, 20th century people who, you know, had a good message and worked really hard to get where they are. Yeah. So especially if she had such a huge drug problem to come out of that and be Mm -hmm. probably one of the most uh, successful women in entertainment, I would say could have been it. Like she was a hell of an actress is and like she just never really did it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Whitney Houston, too, was that she she had a pretty major crack her and um, 
Bobby, Bobby Brown. Brown, yeah. 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 And um, what was the name? Of the, I'm thinking Dave Chappelle show, the, the guy that was, they were telling the stories. Rick, Rick, Rick James. James. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was arrested a couple times for burning prostitutes with crack pipes. Yep. yep. Horrible. You got to put an oven mitt on, Rick. Mm. All right. <laughs> That's your pop culture. Now is the time where we ask April for some Yahoo answers. <laughs> oh, Larry. Oh, Larry. I to pause that to switch over to this page that I could hit. Put your crack pipe down and take a hold of the soundboard. <laughs> Hot potato. Do you need an oven mitt? I fucking love that drop. <laughs> I know. All right. So Yahoo answers. This week, uh, we have one question. How is a crack high different than a pot high? That's a good question. Uh, user mm-hmm. Pimp, just Pimp, responded, it's apples and oranges. For one, crack is an upper, pot is a downer. Also, pot is a hallucinogenic, crack is a stimulant. As for how they feel, pot is a mellow drug and very mild in comparison with other harder drugs. Crack feels like drinking 10 Red Bulls, screwing three models, skydiving out a plane, and then winning the lottery all in the course of five to ten minutes. Fuck, now I want to try it. Right? But then you come down. This is why people become crackheads. They are constantly wanting that feeling, but no matter how much you smoke, it'll just go away within 20 minutes or less. Hmm. Uh, Another user, Blaine Fisher responded crack high is fast and intense and lasts a short amount of time a weed buzz i guess can be intense but it's much more mellowing as it affects different receptors in the brain makes sense uh user question mark wrote crack makes your heart explode pot helps you find your soul (laughs) all right i'll trust i'll trust that guy you're right uh Another user wrote, you want to lose teeth and all your looks as well as your health and wind up selling yourself for crack or money? Well, it's very bad. It's a chemical drug mixed with other chemicals to make it. Mm. Okay. Uh, another, there. Right? another user, another user, <laughs> yeah, another user, another user, another user, another user, uh, asked the question, quit mething around over there. Right. What does the high from crack feel like? Now, before I read this, just strap yourselves in because you're in for a ride. All right. (laughs) Last night, I smoked crack and went inside. And when I was sitting on the couch, his three kids started jumping on me. And all... Oh, it just gets better from here. And all I could hear was thur, thur, thur when somebody would talk. And I'd picture cartoon ducks saying it. (laughs) Thur, thur, thur. I started I started thinking that I understood what aliens heard when humans would talk and started thinking that I understood things that wasn't meant for me to understand. It was like I was in a whole other dimension. My vision, everything was moving in constant circles really fast. And I was itchy everywhere. And I remember crying because I thought things were going to be like this forever or I was about to die. 
and I thought I had to kill everybody in the house so my high could be over. A crazy person ain't had nothing on the way I was feeling. I can't even explain what I was feeling. <laughs> Just like the big animated death Kill everyone in this house. These kids won't stop jumping. <laughs> Coincidentally, the noise that the stabbing makes as you're trying to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> the look of panic in their eyes. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. Uh, that's been your Yahoo answers. And now it is time for a verdict. In one corner, Lubly. the CIA and a bunch of drug dealers. In the other corner, four podcasters you trust with your life. We, four gentle people, are going to tell <laughs> you whether or not we think this really was a CIA drug trafficking scheme or was it just drugs got into the country and people sold them and or was it a scheme to fuel CIA operations Josh yeah I definitely think it was the CIA that's just bringing these drugs in because then they can they can fund the war on drugs they're getting more money because these people are being incarcerated so, yeah. Yeah, definitely CIA. April? Um, I don't know if I believe that it was CIA, but I do believe that it was racially motivated, um, especially when you look at the hard numbers of how many African-Americans were incarcerated versus for, you know, possession of crack versus how many, you know, Caucasians were incarcerated because of cocaine. And like you were saying, like the amount of grams of crack versus the amount of grams of right. cocaine and like this the sentencing the that went with it, it it's so yeah it, it was very uneven and i i do think um that was certainly something that the government used to their advantage so yeah okay cool lawrence uh yeah i'm gonna go with uh it was the cia we have pretty much everything but a like written confession from them yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to side with you on that. I think that um like some of the few conspiracies that we get to cover, MK Ultra being another one that I'm looking at. It's basically in the press Tuskegee experiment yep. would be another one that were I mean, I wouldn't be surprised that they would d- do this to the disenfranchised of And America. you want to know the truth is this is probably the most G-rated of conspiracies that the government would go with. Mm. And it really doesn't take a lot of action. It's just a matter of you guys go here. Mm-hmm. It isn't it isn't them There's, having to put anybody well, it puts a lot of people out, but they don't really have to pay attention to it. Right. And unfortunately it costs a lot of young men their lives. Well, and that's been your verdict.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the show again. It is time for us to get quizzical. Let's get quizzical, quizzical. I want to get quizzical. Let's get into quizzical. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time to get crackical. <laughs> no. I see what you did there. Yep. We are going to do a pop quiz on 80s pop culture. Oh, yeah. This will be the funnest part of this whole episode. I was only there for about a year, but that's okay. Secure your Velcro shoes. Thur, thur. (laughs) Get that duck out of here. Thur. (laughs) September of 1987, during an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, which pop artist said Marilyn Monroe was a victim and I'm not? Ryan. Ryan. I'm going to say Elton John. That is incorrect. Josh. Josh. Madonna. That is correct. Wow. Uh, in 2012, VH1 crowned Madonna the greatest woman in music. And Elton John disagreed. Question <laughs> number two. And what year could you put a quarter into the slot to play the video game? Miss Pac-Man. 1984, 1988, 1986, or 1980? 1986. Video game guy. That's incorrect. Ryan. Ryan. 84. Another video game guy. Or 1982. 1982. That is correct. I hang up my controller today. The original Ms. Pac-Man has a bug in its computer code that draws the fruit, which renders the 256th level unplayable. Hmm. Of course, I never got past level six, so how would I know? (laughs) They're all moving too fucking fast. Oh, shit. Question number three. The set for the American television game show, Win, Lose, or Draw, was modeled after whose living room? A, Burt Lancaster, B, John Voight, C. Burt Reynolds or D. Tom Selleck. Ryan. Ryan. C. That is correct. You know your mustaches. Woo. Burt Reynolds, Win, Lose, or Raw, Draw aired from 1987 to 1990. Not really that long. I never heard of that. I have. It was so, on Nick at Night, I think. So we're at I, one point each. One, one point each. One Question each. number four mm-hmm. here. What 1986 box office hit has Tom Cruise play the role of Maverick? Ryan. 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 Top Gun. Come on. Josh, what was that? (laughs) Ryan. Top Gun. You're correct. (laughs) Hanging, hanging with the boys. By the way, Top Gun, most homoerotic movie I've ever seen in my life. The volleyball scene. Yeah. 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 That, that, that. A lot of guys came out of the closet in the theater that day. Yep. I Tom remember Cruise, seeing that. Cl- Tom Cruise has yet to come out of the closet. Oh boy, do we go st- closet? Here we go. Question number five worth seventeen pesos, which you can then then exchanged for maybe two cents, which then you can pay me, and then I'll let you win. Okay. Question number five. Although it looks quite dated today, what did the Sony company introduce to the United Ryan? S- Ryan the Walkman. That is correct. Still using the term Walkman. Sony uses that for their MP3 players to this day. 
Congratulations. Me Congratulations, clapping. Ryan. Now I get to pay Larry two cents. Yes. All righty. Josh, well, you're not a Top Gun. I can't, I can't wait to listen back just to see who did say their name first. It you was, said it loudest. That's for sure. <laughs> I get really excited about things like that. So I'll be interested. to. Hear, I mean, obviously, Ryan's still one. Josh, what's the show you get really excited on when you're not here? Oh, Potty Slam. <laughs> it sounded so excited. <laughs> Can you guys tell the level was at a six going in and it's only gone down since we started? Oh we'll be we'll, passed out we're, there. We're all going to take our airborns and come back <laughs> firing anyway, next week. Anyways, Potty Slam podcast. That's our wrestling historical Ugh. podcast where we look at the locker room and beyond. And you can find that on Facebook, Twitter, and Potomatic. Mm, April? Uh, of course, you can check Josh and I out and sometimes other people on the Off Tempo podcast, uh, podcast where we discuss music history uh, from the studio to the stage. And uh, you can find us on Facebook and Podbean because I don't think we have a Twitter yet. And I don't think we ever will have a Twitter. So, Lawrence? Ephis podcast.net for baseball history. Special Valentine's Day episode out now, right? Indeed. Check it. They're back. Marty's back. So if you like this show, you should probably not burp on Mike. So I didn't. But you could probably hear the struggle. (laughs) And the struggle is real. If you want to know where you can find our show, check us out on Facebook, Twitter at Conspiracy T Show, which is where we drop every episode on a Monday. Like our page, rate and review. Um, I think... We will be reading some five-star reviews next week, so please get those in. If you've got time, please, it helps us a great deal. We see the numbers change. If you like this show, it is only going to help, and we have many plans in the future to do much more. So, Also, if you like this show and you'd like to recommend an idea for an episode or just an email that we could possibly read on the show about a ghost story or a cryptid you ran into, conspiracytherapyshow at gmail.com. So. Anybody have anything they want to throw out there into the ether before we adjourn till next week? Ready to ejaculate. Okay. Well, it's time to ejaculate, folks. We'll see you next week on another episode of the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast. That's that crack music, nigga. That real black music, nigga. Ronald Reagan cooked up an answer You hear that? Well, Gil Scott was hearing When I hear Rosa Heroin's got hooked on heroin Crack raised the murder rate in D.C. and Maryland We invested in that It's like we got Merrill Lynch And we've been hanging from the same tree ever since Sometimes I feel the music is the only medicine So we cook it, cut it, measure it, bag it, sell it The fiends cop it Nowadays they can't tell it that good shit, we ain't sure, man. Put the CD on your tongue, yeah, that's pure, man. That's that crack music, nigga. That real black music, nigga. This has been a presentation of Beer City Media. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>